Super Talk Mississippi media production. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We've got Steve Azar with us. And when we went to break, we were talking about this journey that he's been on that has created in him today a level of independence. So he does most of the writing himself, and he mentioned some songs that he had written. And I've said over and over again, when I when I study his story, what I come to the conclusion of is that maybe, just maybe, most possibly, some of his best years are ahead of him. Does that is that fair to say that to you, Steve, that some of your best years could be ahead of you? When I made my Indianola record is when I really found myself. It was after waiting on Joe. I had just gone through throat surgery. Uh, there was a pause, a devil of a record label guy that I didn't respect. He didn't respect. He didn't like me. I didn't respect him. Uh, and so I was writing with a little chip on my shoulder. And that's when it all came to me, I think. Uh, Waiting on Joe and then Indianola, the whole album. And then uh, I just feel like this whole Steve Azar and the Kingsman, my Delta Soul uh, being, quote, some guy. Everybody says it was me, but it was on the Bob Seger tour when maybe the Columbus Dispatch, somebody, maybe it was in New York, somebody said, this guy's got a Delta Soul. That's his musical style. And I went, wow, that's kind of cool. But uh, yeah, it's it's. I just feel like that you know I, I I'm excited about where I'm going musically now, and that's a great place to be. I never have a. Uh, there's no end for me. Like I I've, to, I've played with Willie a number of times, and I see Willie, and he's gonna either die on stage or die right before he gets to a stage or right when he gets off a stage. That's how yeah. I want to be for me. I want to. Yeah. I don't ever see stopping because. I love writing songs and playing them for people like I did when I was 13. Yeah. Brad Arnold, uh, Three Doors Down, told me that the greatest songwriter he can think of, number one on his list, is Willie Nelson. Uh, Willie was great. Willie, yeah. I turned Willie down, by the way, twice. Wow. Not not many people turned Willie down, but I did. We're going to shift gears. I want to talk about something in the water. Okay. Yeah. it, It brought together... B.B. King's former band, people like David Briggs, who was um, an organist who was in a studio at Muscle Shows and had been on tour with Elvis. And this, and a young man that we'll come back to in a second, who was an organist at a, at a church, this yeah. cast of incredibly talented people in the Ebony Club that was established in 1948. So wanna, let's, let's set it up and then we'll sort of walk through what this was all about. So talk to me about it. Well, it's interesting, you know, Club Ebony, I always knew what what Club Ebony was. Um, And uh, we wanted to turn, we we decided to turn it into a recording studio. And we go, we got to document it somehow. My son's a a film major in California at the time. So he was a senior in college. And so I said, you have to do this for me. You have to do this film for me. He goes, what are you talking about? Oh, time I'm in school, you know, but he took it on. And he killed it, you know, just because uh, he knew me and he knew knew the situation and, and he appreciated that. But, yeah, I mean, it was a bunch of BB's guys. It was uh, uh, David Briggs, who, by the way, had never worked with me before. But when he heard the songs that I sent him when I wrote them here, when I moved back home, he goes, well, this is what this excites me. So I, I'll, I won't just I'll only record with you. I'll come down there. So he came down, spent the week, lost his tooth. 
I mean, it was crazy. Uh, uh, the uh, the uh, uh, Little Milton's guy, I remember seeing Ray Neal, Little Ray Neal, for many years, uh, play with uh, Little Milton. And all of a sudden, he's playing with me. There were so many surreal moments. I love I love the I love the point where uh, Little Ray went to, over to the BBK Museum and grabbed Little Milton's guitar and put new strings on it. Tell about that. I couldn't believe it. I mean, he had he had loaned it to the museum to showcase, and so he goes. He didn't, you know, realize. I started talking about Little Milton used to call me Little Lazar because he'd hub in and out of Greenville. And he'd go, Little Lazar, if you're going to do this, you need to do this. You know, like, he was always, and then he'd see my trucks go from a van to two big trucks. He said, Little Lazar, you're doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're doing this. And I said, yeah. <laughs> and so anyway, it was really weird when I started talking about these moments that Ray just took off down the street to get the guitar. And, and man, I'll tell you what, it was just a moving experience to have these guys be a part of this record that I wrote when I came back full circle, Ricky. I mean, you got to realize down at the liquor store, I should have written it when I was 10, not when I was 52. You know what I'm saying? Right. But yeah, I, I get, I get, I didn't it. have the capacity yeah. to do it. You know, I didn't have, there, there was this um, theme throughout the, throughout the uh, documentary, throughout the experience that you had there about connection, connecting the past to the present and, and handing the baton and the process of that. You know, you think about Robert Johnson not being discovered to 40 years after he died. He only recorded 29 songs, only had two photographs yeah. that we even knew over the guy. Remember yeah. the 27 club died at 27 and then other, and then and the impact he had on people like Eric Clapton and, and Rolling Stones. And then you come back to this moment and you've got this. You've I, I love the I love the part where you've got the Jimmy Lee Jr. the the young man from the church, a church organist that had just happened to be playing at the BB King Museum, and David Brigg brings him over. You Tell saw that. you saw how I was affected in the film. Yeah. I was going like this ain't gonna happen. I mean, yeah. we, we had to stop because tourists from the boat had come over and they were doing catfish. So we had to move everything and wait three hours. I'm tapping my feet, going like I'm looking at my watch, going like I gotta. We're not going to finish this record, you know? So I'm the only one with the clock on, right? And so all of a sudden, David's talking to me, and he sees Jimmy Lee playing. And he looked at me, he goes, you know where he learned how to do that? Church. And I went, yeah. So anyway, long story short, he walks up and he goes, he's playing on this record. And I went, oh, no, no, he's not. No, he's not. But I wasn't going to tell David Briggs, no, he wasn't. And now he's my keyboard player. He's my Is he really? Yes, man. I mean, he's family now. It's wow, I didn't I didn't know the rest of the um, story, but amazing. It was, what it was so I mean, at that moment when when he, when Jimmy Lee and David were playing together, and you could see the excitement on David's face, the soul that Jimmy Lee was playing with. I mean, it was just incredible watching them collaborate in that it moment. It had to have um, it looked like a like they were dancing together. Or, yeah. or I gotta tell you, it looked like they were. It was a love song that they were. I mean, it was beautiful. And I remember going, like, how are they even? You know what I mean? Like they were feeding off each other. It was like the first dance, the first kiss. It was amazing. But I'll tell you, man, he saw in him. He saw in Jimmy Lee himself as a kid. He must yeah. have been that moment. And that's and it's been. You know, the win-win is that I'm still working with Jimmy Lee now, and he's. It's, it's a blessing to be on stage with him. It's, it's just amazing to be on stage with this guy. Dr. Afonso Sanders, yeah, he, he seemed like such a philosopher, the way yeah, he, he talked about it. You know, that yeah. uh, he, he said that, that, that the Delta is a breeding ground. It wasn't just because of the alluvian soil, but it was just a breeding ground for thinking. I mean, the, I mean, the power of being able to collaborate with people like that have, have been 
throughout this his, history of, yeah. of music in Mississippi, it had to have been an unbelievable moment for you. Well, you take the power of somebody that's extremely educated and educated in his craft and has sold. That's that's a beautiful. That's as good as it gets, and it's lethal. So, uh, and lethal in a good way. You know what I mean? It's the stuff that it's the lethal things that keep you alive. Uh, <laughs> I, I tell you, man, it's been amazing. And you know, it took us a second to become friends, like true friends. But we all are really good friends now because I think that we were so locked into the moment. And I think there was a little bit of shock with me because I have a lot of crazy energy. And I think some of them were like, and they maybe they could have been a touch and awe of me, like I was in awe of them. So we there was a little separation. But as we as the time went on and we toured together, you know, you had one choice, and that's you better get along because we're gonna do Waffle House together. You know, so so it was, uh, and now we're we're really good friends. In fact, I, uh, Al, uh, Walter King called me yesterday, and I got to call him back. But man, come on, he played with Sting and uh, with all that Angels of Harlem with U two, and he was BB's nephew, but but he was BB's band leader for twenty five years, and he is one of the smartest men I've ever met in my life. Wow, I mean, you could you could tell it. You could tell he's yeah. extraordinarily bright, um, a gifted thinker. Yeah. Um, you're, you're, you're lucky to have been around people like that, but you, 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 you said in there that the history is thick, that it's monumental and giant. And some of what you had on your mind is, can this, the new, this new generation somehow blaze a trail that's, that's similar to theirs. And you feel this, this, I don't, I don't want to call it a requirement, but you feel this, this desire to keep it alive. Don't you see well, this is why I would love to be the music and culture ambassador for the next 90 years, because here's it's given me an avenue and an opportunity to help that along better. There, and The arts are so important for this next generation. With me, it was osmosis. I learned it from seeing it and being around it and wanting it and, and being inspired. But do you realize the genetic makeup that is in the that comes from the history of our? Do you realize what's sitting there? And if we don't nurture it, we're, it's, it's an incredible resource, natural resource, a natural resource of ours, that if we don't do that, we are going to hurt ourselves economically, uh, uh, our name uh, in the future. This is who we are. We're agriculture and we're art. Man, this is yes. <laughs> So yeah. I think that it's so vital that we do that. And, uh, and we've had leadership in place as of these last number number of years that believe in what somebody like me does. And there's a whole lot of me here in Mississippi, trust me. There, there is a whole lot of you in Mississippi. We are, we are lucky to have this history. It creates, as, as Craig Ray and I talked about yesterday, yeah. as we get ready to go to break and we'll finish this on the other side, but it creates a competitive advantage for Mississippi to go on this blues trail and take it all in. What an incredible treasure we have. Hey, I, I'm number 32 on the country trail marker now. It's the greatest thing that, I mean, I, I go down there and just kind of look at it, you know, in front of Jim's Cafe. And it's so we got, cool. This is Steve Azar. We'll see, we'll see you after this break. Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Twitter at Super Talk MSGC. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.